The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss digital marketing acquisitions as a strategy. Joining us is Nia Hani, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity, which is the largest independent performance marketing firm with expertise across various channels, including streaming TV, Google, Meta, and Amazon, managing over $3 billion in digital media and employing over 1,200 marketing professionals. And today, Nia and I are going to discuss MarTech strategy in a nutshell. All right, here's my conversation with my old friend, Nia Hani, the Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity. Nia, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Good to be back, Ben. Great to be back. I feel like you're one of our longest standing guests here on the podcast and one of my oldest co-working friends. For those listening that haven't heard us rap before, Nia and I worked together at eBay a million years ago when he was just out of college. And he was like the new guy on the team. And now look at you, your chief strategy officer at one of the biggest agencies or performance marketing firms in the country, if not the world. Holy shit, man, you blew up. Yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. And in a lot of ways, I've been doing the same thing for 15 years, just trying to figure out how to help brands capture consumer attention. But obviously that has shifted over the last 15 plus years and it continues to evolve. And I know what we're talking about today with kind of MarTech stacks is a huge part of it because that continues to evolve as well, especially for B2C brands where our organization is focused on, on helping. So super excited to be here. Talk to me a little about that. We think about growth strategies and often it is how can you get better access to data? Maybe we're thinking about how you can uniquely position your brand, product services, upsells. And I feel like MarTech in general, what your technology stack is, people don't think of that as a growth strategy or something that can truly add value to you. You're in M&A now in some capacity. Talk to me about how you think about where MarTech fits into someone's growth strategy and how it adds value to the company. When we do acquisition at Tenuti, we're typically acquiring B2B companies, marketing services companies, companies to help continue to differentiate and further our capabilities as a marketing agency. But when we're working with clients, we're working with clients that are trying to sell to consumers directly. And even though I don't run M&A for consumer organizations, a lot of the same principles around understanding the customer, figuring out how to drive out LTV, 
and ensuring that you're retaining customers so you're not spending all of your dollars and time on acquisitions are very present. So when I think about MarTech strategies for B2C companies, as basic as understanding basic RFM, understanding who your loyalists are, understanding who your near loyalists are, understanding who your one-time users are, and then ensuring that you have the marketing automation, the right messaging technology, the right marketing technology to be able to message to those consumers to drive consumer value and loyalty over time. And fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, over the last decade or so, we've gone through several evolutions of the technology that B2C websites and B2C brands and applications use to be able to understand who those consumers are and market to them effectively. So it's a huge, huge competitive advantage, not just from a M&A perspective, but even an operational perspective. If you can say, hey, I know that it's gonna take seven different touch points to get somebody who's purchased from me one time to buy again. And figuring out how you orchestrate that, making sure you have the right data warehouse in place and to get that information and operate on that information near real time is hugely important to the success and growth of any B2C, let alone B2B brand. So when you're looking at a B2C brand and you're evaluating it for its growth prospects, trying to figure out what the valuation is, what are some of the either systems, tools, connection points that you look for to evaluate whether they have a advantage on the MarTech side? At the end of the day, it's really about their understanding of who their consumers are and the path to purchase. So from an agency perspective, it's like, let's look at your customers in the last year. Oftentimes, we're going to see 20% of customers are responsible for 80% of revenue. What are you doing to grow that pie in addition to what are you doing to grow the overall pie? And companies with the right technology in place, whether it's a CDP or a data warehouse, they'll be able to tell you that almost instantaneously. And then you can start to build marketing campaigns on top of that. On the flip side, companies who don't have that in place, they spend a lot of their time and energy on acquisition, which is fine. You can grow a pie, but your most valuable customers are going to be the customers that continue to come back to you and buy over and over again. So having the right technology in place, whether it's a data warehouse or a CDP in place to understand who your most valuable customers are is critical to ensuring that you can market and message to those customers and drive more customers into loyalty cohorts over time. I'm glad that you mentioned both a data warehouse and a CDP, because that's one of the big topics of the year. It's basically the only other thing other than artificial intelligence we've been talking about is this notion, and I cannot stand this word, but composable CDPs, which is the CDP built on top of your data warehouse. High Touch, as an example, is a company that basically gives you CDP functionality, but it taps directly into the universal source instead of you having to have two separate places where you're holding your data. Do you see companies being more valuable because they're able to tap farther down into their underlying data using tools like compostable CDPs? Does it actually make a difference? Or are you saying, hey, look, I don't care. As long as you understand who your customers are, it could be a mess just as long as the system you have works. It makes sense to use a composable CDP if you have multiple customer touch points, both online and offline, and you need a complicated data structure to understand everything that's going on with your customer interactions. So if I think about a brand that has physical stores and online and direct to consumer, like a Warby Parker that has physical stores, multiple different regions, has an online arm, I don't know if they sell in retail yet, 
I have customer service, they have tickets coming in. You're probably not going to be able to truly get a universal view of the customer through any off the shelf CDP. So it's probably necessary to bring all that information into a data warehouse, then run your ETLs and use a high touch to figure out kind of what specific information you need to extract out to your marketing destinations. Now on the flip side, if you're a pure play digital player where the vast majority of your sales happen on one or two channels, it's all super digital, whether that's app and web, you probably could get by with just having a CDP and not having a sophisticated customer data warehouse to be able to power your marketing efforts. Because in a lot of ways, your customer data warehouses, your Shopify instance, or whatever your headless e-commerce instances. And so I don't think there's a right answer. I do think for more complicated businesses, businesses that are truly omni-channel or in multiple regions, you're gonna run into challenges with CDPs. But if you're just looking to ensure that you have a good sense of who the customer is, and you're only on a couple of different surfaces and they're all digital, then you can definitely get by with just a CDP. And then in terms of valuation, the how you get there matters less than do you have complete information? Do you trust the data that you have? And can you take action on that data? Because it's about your ability to use and interpret that data and make intelligent marketing decisions to increase purchase value, purchase frequency, and loyalty cohorts that matters, not necessarily the technology that you're using to get there. So you just need to make sure that you're ingesting the right information across the right surfaces and choosing the right tool to be able to do so. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Your background started with what used to be called natural search, but let's call it SEO. At Tunity, you got into e-commerce, specifically they were shopping comparison sites and then Amazon optimization. And now you've moved into a broader role evaluating across multiple channels for Tunity. 
Talk to me about the user acquisition side and how when you get very channel specific, like you've been at different points of your career, how much does the MarTech strategy impact not only your efficiency, but also how other people are valuing what you're doing? Well, I think unlike 15 plus years ago when I started my career, MarTech cannot be an afterthought. And because of the changes wrought by iOS 14.5 and ATT and the focus on privacy, the ability to understand what you're investing in and the return on an ad investment, you can no longer rely on a robust identity graph maintained by your advertising partners to be able to tell that story. So the only real way to understand true incrementality and value is to have some sort of source of truth which is always gonna be your transactions. Cause you're always gonna be able to see who bought from you because you need to ship that product or you need to get that app installed on a specific user's iPhone or Android in aggregates. And then you can start to use econometric models to understand kind of whether you're doing an incrementality test or a lift study or a geo holdout or a match market test or an MMM. That's the model that exists because you're rarely going to run one specific channel in independence. And what's important to CMOs and marketers is understanding if I increase my investment on one channel, is it cannibalizing my efforts on another channel or is it additive to my efforts on another channel? And the only way you get there is through clean, precise and pristine data in your data warehouse or in your shopping cart and then running experiments to be able to understand the impact of your advertising decisions upstream. You danced around this a little bit, but the holy grail of MarTech and marketing, understanding multi-channel, omni-channel attribution, right? Your MMM studies or whatever you're doing. How much do you care when you're evaluating a brand on how well they're able to attribute across channel? And everybody has a different school of thought of whether multi-touch attribution is something that you should try to do and trust in and believe the data source or whether... It's all just hocus pocus and we're never going to be able to understand how the multiple channels are driving conversions. Where do you stand on multi-touch attribution? So I will definitely separate MTA or multi-touch attribution from MMM, which is more of a quantitative econometric model to understanding the impact of various different channels. What do you mean by econometric? Sorry to interrupt you. So an econometric model looks at inputs and outputs and creates correlations between the two. Whereas an MTA actually looks at individual interactions that happen at a user level and then tries to attribute a certain weighting to each of those interactions. Mm -hmm. So think about an MMM or an econometric model as kind of looking at a whole population and understanding kind of what your inputs were and what your outputs were and trying to isolate the variables associated with each versus an individual visitor coming to your website, looking at that and figuring out, okay, your social was responsible for 15%, the search was responsible for 5%, branded was responsible for X, Y, or Z. And so what I'll say about MTA is in a privacy forward world, post iOS 14.5, there isn't an MTA model that's going to represent anything closer to the truth. And over time, as more and more users turn on privacy settings and the amount of data that's freely available to marketers continues to diminish, MTA models will continue to degrade in their ability to forecast and predict what's actually happening. Because if I'm an iOS user and I've selected do not track me, you can't see me in your MTA model. You can try to model me, but you cannot see me. 
where if I'm doing a econometric model where I'm taking, okay, I've invested $50,000 in San Francisco and another $50,000 in San Jose and another $50,000 in Sacramento. And then I'm looking at how I've spent those dollars in different ways, 5% in search, 30% in search in another market, 50% in search in another market. 10% in social and vice versa. And I'm understanding my outputs, you know, how many users have actually converted because I still need to ship that box to Sacramento, San Jose, and San Francisco. That's an econometric model and that will never go away. So I think over the next three to five years, we're going to see a shift of marketers looking at econometric MMM lift models as opposed to MTA models because you're not going to have unique identifiers to be able to understand who consumers are in the near future. The amount of users that are going to opt in to the ability to track them is going to continue to diminish over time. And so you're going to have to rely on more econometric models to understand the effectiveness of advertising. And we're already starting to lean into that as an organization. Last question I have for you today, as you look broadly at what companies are doing with their MarTech strategies, what are the biggest mistakes they're making? And what are the common trends you see of companies that are successful? I definitely think the biggest mistakes, and maybe some of the vendors on this podcast aren't going to like it, is buying technology before understanding and defining the questions that you need answered. It's very easy to be sold on a piece of technology that does everything for everyone. But unless you know the top three to five questions that you need to answer, and you know precisely how the technology that you're putting into your marketing stack is going to address those challenges, you probably aren't in a position to buy that technology. And if that salesperson or vendor or customer success person can't help you answer those questions, then you probably are gonna have some challenges. The most successful organizations that I have seen have alignment at the C-level, if not the board level around, what are the most important questions that we have to answer to be able to grow our brand? What is the data that we need to be able to evaluate, to understand if our efforts are effective? And then they ask the question, what technology do we need to acquire to be able to answer those questions? And organizations that have that governance framework in place that are looking at marketing investments through that lens are going to be the ones that are most likely to succeed. I know it sounds pretty basic, but ask any B2B or B2C brand for different stakeholders. What are the three most important KPIs that we need to make sure that we hit our goals this year? You're most likely going to hear different answers from those stakeholders. And that alignment is critical to ensure that the investments you make in technology is actually going to hit the return that you need to continue to grow the business. Here's my takeaway. The good news for the MarTech vendors that are listening to this podcast is that you can't get away with not having a coherent MarTech strategy. It's a necessity, and the companies that don't have standardized ways using technology to be able to understand who your customers are and what interactions they have are going to suffer. They're not relevant and they're not valid. Now, the hard part is you can't just sell products before you understand the question. For people that are implementing your MarTech technologies, you should not just buy MarTech because you think you need a tool, a composable CDP as opposed to a standard CDP. It doesn't matter, right? What matters is that you understand the question you're trying to solve and you're finding a technology solution that gets you to the right answer. And if you don't have a coherent strategy or at least understand what you're trying to learn, it doesn't matter what technology you use. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Nia Hani, Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity. Join us again tomorrow when Nia and I continue our conversation talking about M&A as a marketing strategy. 
If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Nee, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Niahani, that's N-I-I underscore A-H-E-N-E, or you can visit his company's website, which is Tinuity.com, T-I-N-U-I-T-I.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.